0: Oh ho, ho. We're getting slap happy, people. (laughs) (laughs) It's what happens when we go on recording binges.
1: Yeah, so what are we going to talk about today?
0: Today, we're talking about Kundalini.
1: I am very excited. I know just the bare minimums. And so I am going to blather on a little bit, and then I'm going to sit back and learn and take notes from you.
0: It's really interesting because early on in my yoga days, maybe somewhere year two, three, 3456 I kind of got on a big kundalini craze mm-hmm. and I think probably when you first met me I was big into wearing white, white and I had mm-hmm. like ditched everything in my closet to white and yeah had gone gone deeply down the path and it was funny because as I pulled out my kundalini books today to be sharing at the end of this podcast I found an article that was stuck in one of the books and in it was from 2019 (laughs) Uh, training on Reiki. And that's basically when I probably set down the Kundalini books, because that's when I started down the path of Reiki. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, wow, how cool that it was Kundalini that we're going to talk about right now that kind of brought me full circle to where I Mm -hmm. am in in the healing arts and the healing medicine and yeah I'm like eh, cool I didn't even, I didn't even remember any of those details until I saw that stuff
1: wow well it's an ancient healing practice and so that makes perfect sense and totally it awakens does. and it connects to the divine energy within yourself so you can work towards achieving a life full of lightness and joy and love but you know what does when I started looking cuz I do like I said I'm kind of a novice in kundalini so I know a little bit so i looked up things that i wanted to know the answers to some what is kundalini and why does why did tanya wear white all the time and how could it help so you know more so i wanted to know is this something i should look at exploring more but in sanskrit kundalini means coiled snake and in early eastern religion it was believed that divine energy was created at the base of the spine and it's the energy that we're born with and kundalini works to uncoil. That snake and connect us to the divine energy within ourselves. So in its early creation, it was the study of the science of energy and spiritual philosophy. And in ancient times, royalty would sit with Kundalini masters and hear different ancient teachings and have spiritual visions and all, you know, kinds of things like this. So it was really geared a lot towards the royals then. But you know, why did why did you wear white then? Okay, so the coiled snake snakes aren't white, but <laughs> but the spirit and the energy might, you know, Yogi Baha Bajan Bajan. I knew I was gonna say his name right. Believe that. The colors had an effect on the consciousness, and that the color white was thought to expand your aura by an extra foot, not only by providing more protection from the harmful energy around you, but by projecting positive energy outside to the outside world around you. Kundalini people ask you to wear white so that you will reflect what is outside and go within yourself. And that's what white clothes can do for you, is what he what he said. Plus so.
0: lighter is always brighter. You think about the times that you're not wearing black and you go places, people are like, "Cat, you look so bright. I know they do. Or, they always. Yeah. Is, look,
1: I've got on an orange sports bra today.
0: <laughs> I was, I was going to comment on it that I, I love the color of your bra, but. I know. <laughs> But there's theory to that, too, is mm-hmm. that we feel lighter and brighter when we feel, when we wear lighter colored clothing. However, there is still that whole concept that black is slimming, except for the fact that if you're in black sweats and go someplace, most of the time, people aren't like, wow, Kat, you look smoking in those black sweats. <laughs> no. Unless you're wearing a beautiful black cocktail dress. And then, yeah, people are probably like, cat you look smoking in that dress
1: yeah and you know it's just been beat into me since I was a little girl to wear black just you know I do like black but I'm honestly I have bought a few white things lately so I have been expanding my wardrobe colors just a touch but I did I was curious why kundalini yoga people often wear white head coverings. And that's thought to focus your energy at the third eye. And that creates a sense of calm and it symbolizes the devotion to the practice. But I love the idea of having that. Of course, I don't wear stuff on my head because I've got the world's largest head. I love the idea of focusing that energy on the third eye.
0: 100%. And there's so much that goes into kundalini yoga in in terms of like you said, sort of that divine coiled snake at the base of the spine. You think about every time you've ever taught Nadi Shadana, or alternate nostril breathing, what you don't realize is you're bringing everything right to that center column, the shushumna line, which is that divine energy line anyways. So most of the time things we're doing in yoga are so closely related. We just didn't even realize it,
1: you know? Mm-hmm. So I, the last thing I was looking at is how... It could help us. I mean, why do I why do I want to try Kundalini, or should I? Want to try it. And it's really a tool to help you achieve a light and joyful and love-filled life. And when you do kundalini yoga, you begin to not only become aware of the geometry of your body, but you see how that practice affects the energy and the emotion and the motion in your body. And we all have, you know, we've we've talked about the locks in our body where energy can get stuck and where we no longer feel that we're in flow with our mind and our body. But kundalini pulls the energy at the base of the spine up all the way to the crown of your head. So it kind of creates a better flow of energy. And so it can help you uh, move more balanced through life. And we talked about balance last week.
0: There's so much to be said for, like you said, it being a spiritual practice. What we want to talk about when it comes to kundalini is that it really is Kriya based. It's a yoga of action. So there are set routines that bring about distinct Results. And one of those distinct results is the devotion based heavy role in chanting. I don't want to say worship like. But it is very much devotion and trust in something bigger than yourself. In addition to that, it might be that what you're working on is increasing your faith base or it's that mix of belief in a higher power and sort of that bringing yourself that concept of joy that you were just talking about. But that's another piece to the white clothing is it's thought that white is considered divine consciousness. And as we're working to move kundalini and working to move energy in the body, what we're working towards is that connection to divine energy, that connection Mm -hmm. to uh, divine consciousness. And so there's a lot to be said for the practice itself, the customs. I like the idea of calling it ceremony because it is ceremonial, right? Right. So it's a little bit different from yoga asana, whereas the kundalini practice is really trying to incorporate it is still a royal path of raja style yoga it still incorporates the eight limbs but they're all done within one class, which is mm-hmm. maybe something different from what we do in yoga is that sometimes maybe we're playing around with pranayama and we're playing around with meditation and we're playing around with yoga asana. But a lot of times we're not. A lot of times it's just class with pranayama or meditation and pranayama. It's not like a combination of all of the classes. We now have a class on schedule on our Sunday evenings called All the Things class. Oh, and it, I love is, that. it is incorporated operating meditation pranayama Yoga Asana, Sound and Vibration Therapy, like we're trying to put all of the pieces in like you would find in a Kundalini Kriya. And mm-hmm. so we're just not calling it Kundalini and we're adapting it the way we want to adapt it. But it's a very popular class because everybody wants all the things. Yeah.
1: Wow. I and love so,
0: that. Yeah. So it's fun, but it really is cool because those Kriyas are kind of complex. Have you ever taken a Kundalini class?
1: I never have.
0: Never have. Okay, well, let's
1: get talking. (laughs)
0: So they're kind of complex because a lot of times you'll go into this Kundalini class and what you don't realize is that the teacher has combined sets of Kriyas because Mm -hmm. sometimes the Kriya is only like 12 minutes or maybe the Kriya is 20 minutes or maybe the Kriya is three hours. But whatever it is that you've joined, if you're joining a 60 minute Kriya class, maybe they've got an 11 minute Kriya, they've got a 22 minute Kriya and then they've got a 33 minute Kriya and the class is like an hour and six minutes long or something to that effect right Mm -hmm. and within that kriya there is heavy focus on pranayama the pranayama is sometimes alternate nostril a lot of times it's breath of fire much like Mm -hmm. that kapalabhati breath a lot of times that Focuses on deep, deep core. It's really crazy because then, also in addition, a lot of times there's chanting, a lot of times there is singing, a lot of times within that chanting is breath work. So you're like, inhale. <gasps> exhale and you chant out what you're gonna chant on the exhale Mm -hmm. it's really kind of a very active class and then because you're working so deep, such deep core you're also working deep release and a lot of times we used to joke kundalini classes are the stinkiest classes ever (laughs) because what's coming out of people is rich, it is rich and I think that's real like when you're doing some deep deep inner core detox stuff's gonna come out and you're gonna stink but Mm -hmm. it's good stuff too nonetheless so some of that kundalini asanas that they really focus on deep forward folds it is very much like i don't know if you've heard of those frog poses but frogs are like so you're standing with like a forward fold but your heels are together and you're on your toes
1: Oh, yeah. Uh Your
0: hands are forward folded onto the floor or onto blocks. And within your frog is the requirement to stay on your toes. But you squat down into the frog on your toes and you stand back up into the fold and you do it with breath. So it's like in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. And it will create this very quick movement. So not only is it intense muscle-wise, but it's also intense breath-wise, and it's also very intense emotionally because frustration might come up, empowerment, like there's a realm of emotions that will pop up while you're in postures like that the other is long a lot of times it's a long very challenging hold like I think about there was one class we got into and we were to hold archer pose and we were in our archer pose I gosh it felt like an eternity and it was (laughs) maybe not but Mm -hmm. I think it was like 11 minutes and in that 11 minutes you were in your archer pose your arms were falling out their sockets and here you are pumping your stomach to try and breathe breath of fire while your legs are falling apart. And you're trying like a good Kundalini teacher is encouraging you to stay within the moment and Feel what comes up and what is coming up because that's what we're going to meditate on later. So it tends to be an emotional practice. Like mm-hmm. it's intended to stir crap up so that then we can meditate on what came up and try and find true healing in it. And it mm-hmm. is really a very enlightening practice because you can't not notice what doesn't work in your body. And they're very encouraging as instructors, like if you feel you need to take a break, take a break. But as soon as you can join us back, come right back in that place and join us again because they don't want you to just completely crash out. They want you to overcome that crash out and then re-strengthen, rejoin, come back in, feel that strength, feel that power.
1: So in my mind, I had always thought of kundalini more as like a yin practice But obviously not. So is this something for someone that has knee problems and hip problems and shoulder problems? It's probably not a good choice for them. Sounds like.
0: It might be a little trickier for them to practice, Mm -hmm. but everyone is welcome. And most Kundalini instructors are very, very good at giving modifications and adaptions, but it is a strong class. It is a workout, but on the flip, if all you can do is sit on your knees and part until the point where you can join 100. There is there is a need for that spiritual awakening in all bodies. Mm-hmm. Yep, it is uh, not a not a Yin style practice though. <laughs> no, it is about definitely about enduring. I don't mean enduring like pain. I mean like succeeding because there is also nothing that feels better than saying you accomplished that for 52 times or for 108 minutes or whatever the loveliness is. And there are some very beautiful practices. Mm -hmm. I would encourage anybody who's considering it to try and find a beginner Kundalini class or to get them sells a kundalini book. And I'm going to give you a couple of them. One of them that I really, really enjoy is the Essential Kundalini Book by Karina Virginia and Darm Khalsa. This Essential Kundalini Book, it has beautiful pictures, but it also gives you sort of the concept of, you know, what it is we're trying to do here. But you also think about how often we do poses in yoga and we know that it feels good on the body, but we don't recognize how empowering it is to be able to open up our heart. Like we do a heart opening class and how many times do students come out of that heart heart opening class and they feel beautiful? Well, now consider that all of your postures can also have that in an entire Kriya and that the Kriya was meant specifically for that. I'm trying to find you a picture of one that I thought is just a picture of the series just for you really quick. But they Mm -hmm. have specific names, specific pranayamas, specific ways to hold the hands, and specific ways to reach open, specific ways Mm -hmm. to hold mudras within the hands and the likes. But it is really lovely. A lot of it is like just core strength, like just moving from your hands at your shoulders, which might be difficult for a person person to hold in general to come up to like a chair squat on your knees and then come Mm -hmm. all the way up with the open heart. But like to do this repetitively, now there's going to be people who are going to be like, my knees can't do that. Well, you can still do it in other ways. They'll give you um, modifications to do it. It Is is, that
1: a good book uh, for someone that's never done Kundalini? Is it like a beginner basic book?
0: This book is what they call essential Kundalini. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of cover to cover. Right? It gives you from the beginning to the end, and you will just work through pieces and parts. Mm-hmm. if If it doesn't work, go to the next kriya. There's so many kriyas that you can do. There is this book, which is called Kriya. And this book is literally written and pulled from the education of Yogi Bhajan, okay? And now this book, although has pictures as well, this one is more specific to the Kriyas. So the whole of a section is about the whole of the Kriya, right? Mm -hmm. And it is lovely because this book now is, you know, it explains, well, this Kriya is for balancing mental energy or This Kriya is for transcending the body. This Kriya is for visualization. This Kriya is for energizing the self. Mm
1: -hmm. This Kriya
0: is muscular system. This Kriya is for total system stimulation. So... There's all kinds. There's Kriyas for correcting your lymph system. There's Kriya for abundance or working through childhood trauma. Like there's Kriyas for everything.
1: So if you were a yoga teacher and you were planning, or you are a yoga teacher, when you plan a Kundalini class, do you just find like one Kriya? Is it like in a Vinyasa class, which is what we teach primarily flow from one thing to the next. This doesn't sound like that at all. So how many, I don't, I'm not quite understanding how you compose a class. Is it just like one Kriya? Mm
0: -mm. No, so that's a thing. First of all, you need to know and understand that Kundalini is actually governed by the Kundalini uh, KRI Institute. Mm -hmm. You can't actually call a class a Kundalini class unless you've been certified. Mm -hmm. So you can call it a kundalini inspired class and you could put a kriya in the middle of one of your classes. But if you are going to do a whole kundalini class, you might want to go through and look at several kriyas and be like, okay, when I look at this kriya, this kriya is 17 minutes. When I look at this kriya, it's 22 minutes. So I'm going to start class with a five minute meditation and i'm going to move into this 17 minute kriya then we're going to come to our belly and do a guided visualization for 5 minutes and then we're going to come back to the next kriya for 27 minutes you might want to close with a really long Shavasana, right? So there would be, you would have to combine some Kriyas unless you found a Kriya that you wanted to use that was specifically 45 minutes for a 45 minute class, right? Right. And they are very specific to having a timer on. So each thing, when it says three minutes, you set a timer for three minutes and you do the Kriya for three minutes or you do that part of the Kriya for three mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. minute. Timing is as important to kundalini philosophy as is anything else in terms of uh, alignment and posture. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of lovely kriyas. There's kriyas for grace. There's kriyas for evening kriyas, fulfillment, growth, protection, expansion, prosperity. There's a lot to it. So yeah, this kriya book by Yogi Bhajan and then the Essential Kundalini Book by, Ka- by Karina Virginia and Darm Khalsa, two of my favorites. I do have a couple others that come from the Kundalini Institute, mm-hmm. but again, you have to be a Kundalini uh, member in order to get those, but mm-hmm. lovely, lovely stuff.
1: Wow. Well, I think I'll try the Essentials first.
0: Yeah, it's fun.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's fun practice. Perfect. I'm Kat Kahn. And I'm Tanya Rice. And this is Two Pittas on a Pod signing off.
1: Thank you for listening to Two Pittas on a Pod. We're grateful you joined us. Join us again for more musings of a couple of yogis.
0: We hope you learned, laughed, and enjoyed this podcast. And we hope you will share your comments or questions.
1: Email us at pod at gmail.com.
0: And like us on Facebook and Instagram at twopittasonapod.